This is Naked Astronomy. Each month I strip down interesting developments in the world of space. In a quest to find out what's really going on out there. I'm Greg Jackson and this month on Naked Astronomy... 9, 8, 7... Gaia launched back in 2013 and has been mapping the Milky Way ever since. In fact, it aims to give us the most detailed survey of our galaxy ever. And just last month, the first tranche of data was released to the public. So in today's episode, we're going to be exploring what Gaia's found out using GCSE Maths. First up though, what exactly is Gaia? Well, it's a probe, a bit bigger than those round trampolines that every family seems to have in their gardens these days. And you can think of it as being shaped like one of those floppy straw hats, a large rim with a bulbous centre. Yeah, it's on a very defined orbit, actually. Anna Harahan. And it's at a position known as the second Lagrangian point, which is a kind of stable point in the Earth-Sun gravitational system. And it actually orbits not around the Earth, but it stays outside of the Earth and kind of keeps pace with the Earth in its orbit around the Sun. Oh, OK, so it's kind of orbiting sort of somewhere in between Earth and Mars then? Exactly, yes. And it's taking lots and lots and lots of photos of the stars because... The key parameter for Gaia is where the stars are. That's Jerry Gilmore. He pitched the idea of Gaia to the European Space Agency and has been shepherding along the project ever since. The, um, you'd think this history of astronomy, people have been trying to measure where the stars are since the Mesopotamians, you know. But, uh, actually, astronomers are not very good at this sort of thing. <laughs> and so in the whole history of science, we had reasonably accurate measurements of the positions and distances from us of about maybe 100,000 stars uh, and how those stars were moving. Out of 100 billion, that's pretty pitiful, really. Uh, and they're all very local. The reason for that is that space is big, so it's really hard to measure the distances of stars. You need exquisite precision, which Gaia provides. So Gaia is the first ever exquisite measuring system, which is designed to measure not only where stars are, a large sample, 1% of them all, a billion or so, but also how those stars are moving. So we get three dimensions in space of where the stars are. And last month, the first data set was revealed. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the European Space Astronomy Centre, ISAC, here in Madrid. Today is an important day and a great day for astronomy because we are releasing the first batch of uh, our data set from our Gaia mission. My name is Markus Bauer. I'm the head of the communication office here in ISAC. And it's really a pleasure for me to welcome you here on site, but also Welcome to all those who are watching us on YouTube. And scientists have been so excited about it all that some have turned to the arts. (laughs) 
Here's a poem that George Seabrook wrote, astronomer from the Millard Space Science Labs. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder where you are. ESA hoovers up your light with our Gaia satellite. The mission is to measure distance, get a grasp on your existence. Gaia may not see you twinkle, but kens if you're multiple or single. Astronomers, we feel the need to measure line of sight speed. Gaia's radial velocity spectrometer is the Milky Way's speedometer. The Mullard Science Laboratory has helped to write the Gaia story, has tested every key detector and coded software for billions of spectra. Gaia has been making waves throughout astronomy. Although I have to admit, when I was trawling through ideas for this episode, I emailed Duncan Forgan, astrophysicist at St Andrews, for advice. And he replied... I think, um, if I can recall correctly, I think I just said, oh, there's one word for you, and that's Gaia. And it's the one mission that every astronomer is excited about. And I think that's possibly the first mission since I started doing um, astronomy professionally, which has been almost 10 years. And it's the first time I could really feel that one mission really grasped everybody's attention. I think the only other thing that's really done that in all the time that I've known is Hubble. So it's it's on that level. Uh, after that sort of response, how could I not start looking into it? Although I did check, Duncan's not just doing an excellent PR job for Gaia. I have no formal official connection to Gaia, but I think every astronomer feels informally connected to Gaia because it's such an exciting mission. Why is it such an exciting mission? You a bit tantalising glimpse there. <laughs> well, it's so exciting because it's doing things on a scale that when the mission was conceived, you know, 20 odd years ago, we didn't think was even possible. And we have what's going to be a huge data set, not just of many, many stars in the sky. So at the end of the survey, it will be five, well, a billion stars, which is 1% of all the stars in the Milky Way which makes it sound like a small number, but it still is a huge number. And we'll not only just have that, but we'll also have a lot of information about asteroids in the solar system. We'll even start to use this method to detect planets around some of these stars. So it's a huge data set for people who are interested in all kinds of different aspects of astronomy, from the solar system to the stars themselves, to planets around other stars, and then to the galaxy itself. So how those stars actually fit into the galactic structure. Big mission then, not, not, not a small amount of data that they're collecting. It's a huge amount of data. So it's, you know, we have what's called the first data release or DR1, and that's still a huge data set. And it's only a small parcel of what's going to be a number of releases over five years. So even just that very small first release is itself quite a lot to deal with. And the scientists charged with processing the data are from Cambridge University. And I'm going to have to ask you how you pronounce your second name because when I came in here at the reception I was like Anna Hurrihane Hurrihane <laughs> almost Hurrihane what have, have other people called you all sorts of really funny surnames I'm just thinking yeah. Greya I get a lot of these things yeah I, I actually wasn't sure how to pronounce your name either <laughs> at first but um my last name it can also be pronounced Hurrihane so depending on which part of Ireland you're from so I'm used to different pronunciations and it doesn't bother me too much. 
Thank goodness for that. Let's jump in. Why do we want to measure the distance between stars and how do we do it? Well, one thing that we don't know very well are distances to the stars and that's because they're very difficult to measure in astronomy. So Gaia's goal is to get accurate distances for a very large sample of stars in our galaxy, actually more than one billion stars. One billion, wow. Yeah, so it's still less than probably 1% of the total stellar content of our galaxy, but it will be the largest sample we have so far of accurate distances, and it will be fundamental to lots of other areas of astronomy as well. I'm just thinking, guys, got to have some incredible accuracy on it to be able to map, even if it is just 1% of the galaxy. Yeah, um, the actual precision needed for the measurements is equivalent to resolving, say, a pound coin on the moon if you measured it from Earth. It needs very, very precise measurements to be able to measure these tiny movements that translate into being able to measure distances to stars. How is it measuring where the stars are? Well, it has two telescopes on board and collect light through two viewing windows in the satellite housing. So the starlight comes in through those viewing windows and passes through the telescopes and then gets focused onto a camera inside Gaia. So they're kind of continually transiting across the camera, almost like a continuous video of the sky. Mm-hmm. But like a time-lapse, I'm thinking, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It's like a time-lapse. And that data then gets downlinked to Earth every day from the satellite. And it was on the 14th of September that all this data was released. It was the first Gaia release of data. Yes, um, the data that was released on the 14th of September was coming from almost the first year of observations by Gaia. And that's the first big release of data that is really useful to see how everything's going with the data processing and checking the quality of the data. Um, The precision of the data is probably only about one-tenth of what we will get at the end of the mission. And that's because it's going to map these stars lots of times. Exactly, yes. And when we say data and things transiting across the camera, this data release, was it pictures or was it numbers? I'm trying to to envision what, what was released. Well, no, we don't get pretty pictures like the Hubble Space Telescope images that we're used to seeing. With Gaia, it's more about very precise measurements. So the data is actually, the raw data is in terms of the times of transit of the stars across the camera and then the brightness of each star as measured. Once you have this this time code, if you like, and how bright this star is, how does that then enable you to measure how far away it is? Well, there's a lot of complex (laughs) mathematics involved, but you can simplify it down into the concept of measuring distances by parallax. Parallax is the effect of the apparent change in position of an object depending on which angle you view it from. So as a demonstration, why don't you hold out your thumb at arm's length? Maybe my left thumb. Okay. Okay. So now 
close your left eye and look at it with your right eye and notice the background behind your thumb. Mm-hmm. And then switch eyes, closing your right and looking at it with your left. And you notice how the apparent position of your thumb appears to change against the background. Yeah, it moves by about an inch or so. Okay, and now bring your thumb closer, so about halfway, Mm -hmm. and try the experiment again. Do you notice anything different about the change in position? It's further, it moves further. Exactly, so by measuring the change in position of an object, say a star, against a background, we can figure out how far away the star is. And the parallels in this with the thumb experiment are imagining that your thumb is a foreground star, so a star that's closer to us, and the background is a backdrop of more distant stars. So you can see how one star appears to move against more distant stars. And the in this case, instead of the distance between your two eyes, you're looking at the foreground star from two different positions in the Earth's orbit around the Sun. Ah, okay. I thought you were going to say the two telescopes, but no, that makes more sense, two different positions around the Sun. Exactly. Okay, you've got Gaia orbiting and capturing snaps of the stars from different angles. But then you've also got to take into consideration that the stars are also moving. Yes, well, actually, like the Earth and the other planets orbit around the Sun, the stars in our galaxy all orbit around the centre of the galaxy as well. But the motions of the stars around the centre of the galaxy, what that translates to in what we can observe is over time a slow track, kind of a straight line of the stars across the sky. And over Gaia's lifetime over the five years or more that it's observing, it will cause the stars to move a small distance across the sky. But then when we combine that with the apparent motion due to the Earth's and Gaia's orbit around the sun, that introduces kind of an ellipse into the motion. It sounds like quite complicated then to look at their distance and stuff. Yeah, so quite complex algorithms, quite complex software has had to be developed, but it actually, it relates back to basic trigonometry, where if you have an angle, um, for example, in the experiment where you're looking at the star, or you're looking at your thumb with your two different eyes, so the angle between the two measurements is the angle in a triangle where the baseline is the distance between your eyes. And then basic trigonometry can be used to work out the parallax angle and then the distance to the star. There's something quite nice about it all boiling down to something that we all learn at GCSE maths. <laughs> exactly. So you can make a complex calculation. You can relate it back to simple geometry, simple trigonometry. So that's nice. How does this then relate to Gaia's missions, answering some of these fundamental questions in physics? Well, by measuring exactly where the stars are in the galaxy, we can associate stars together. Are they part of one structure in the galaxy or do they appear to be moving in different clumps or groups? So, for example, our galaxy is the Milky Way is a spiral shaped galaxy 
with a central bulge or bar and then a disk of stars, stars orbiting around that and then a halo of stars around that again. So there are different substructures within these bigger structures and these give clues to the formation of our galaxy. And by looking at both the motions of stars in these substructures and also what they're made of, we can compare them, for example, to stars in other parts of the galaxy and we can compare them to stars outside of our galaxy. And we can figure out if stars in different parts of the galaxy have a common origin or if they appear to have formed at different times. So actually getting ages for the stars is important as well. The idea that we can go to some kind of technique or technological expertise which will you know, make the decision for us, that will be attractive to, to, to a good group of people. In this month's Naked Genetics, we're hearing more than ever about the secrets hidden in our genes, from our risk of diseases like cancer to traits such as sporting ability. But just because we can test for them, does that mean we should? Listen and download now at nakedscientist.com genetics. On Naked Astronomy this month, with me, Greer Jackson, we've been going gaga for Gaia, the mission that's going to map the Milky Way in more detail than ever before. It's managed to capture people from all different kinds of the field. And we're all talking about it. All you have to do is look at Twitter and look at the Gaia DR1 hashtag. And it's just a buzz with people downloading the data, doing some science, getting some some figures and plots and saying, look what I found. You know, And that's just within like a day. You know, it, As we speak, it was released yesterday. Scientists like Duncan Forgan have big plans for Gaia's data. And it goes way beyond mapping the Milky Way. So we're really in the stage where this is just coming in so quickly and where, you know, papers are starting to appear on the web even today with like the very first analyses of this data. So you know, this is what Guy has done very well in the sense of making sure that its data works with everybody. And it's all this data that's coming back. Is this all, you're talking about people downloading it and writing papers. Is it all open access then? Very much so. So if you have the, the know-how, uh, and you understand how to manipulate the data set, then yeah, you can download it yourself um, and you can look at, it, at what they've produced. It's an incredible achievement that it's gone open source so quickly um, and the science that's coming out is going to be absolutely astonishing. Just returning to the data, stuff, you talked about this is the first data release. How much more is there to come then? Well, this is the first year of data that's been collected by Gaia and Gaia has a five-year mission. So you can expect, well, it depends exactly how they're going to parcel up the releases, but you can expect at least five releases. There might well be more because as time goes on, Gaia is not just going to measure everything once. There's going to be a small set of objects where they, well, I say small, it's still millions of objects, where they measure them lots and lots of times. And this is where lots of cool science comes in, like the motions of the stars. And it's going to also tell us about the motions of asteroids in the solar system. It'll help us detect exoplanets by watching for dips, um, in, in the star's light, and that'll tell us if planets are actually passing um, between us and the star. It'll be, even be looking at how the star wobbles in the sky, and that wobbling will tell us if there's a planet tugging at it with its gravity. This has never been done before, the, what they call astrometric detection of exoplanets. No one has ever managed to do it, but Gaia will probably be the first to do it. So, you know, there's just a, a big laundry list of all these things that Gaia can do that nothing else can, um, which is, you know, a, an amazing achievement for, for a single instrument. 
Yeah, and I can tell, I can hear that you're really excited about it all. But I wonder, what does this really mean in the grand scale of things? I mean... I'm just thinking a lot of one of the mission, the mission is touted as finding out, you know, where we where we came from and some of the fundamental questions of physics. But I mean, really, is that really going to occur? <laughs> I feel like there's lots more work and lots more known unknowns as well as unknown unknowns, if you like. Well, I think this is the thing with any kind of big mission where you 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 make big claims. Well, and you, you kind of hit it on the head there. We talked about known unknowns and unknown unknowns. So we have a good grasp of this on the known unknowns because we have, you know, the laws of physics and we can construct models to say these things can possibly exist, but we haven't seen them yet. But then the unknown unknowns is really where a lot of the fun is because that tells you where your your laws of physics are maybe incomplete or incorrect or they need some kind of revision. And that's where it, it gets really fun. So I think what Gaia are really kind of selling, and I think astronomers agree, you know, even though I'm, I'm not technically part of Gaia, I would certainly say this makes sense. Um, what Gaia is doing is it's telling us about the fundamental structure of our galaxy. So where the stars are tells us something about where the mass is in our galaxy. It may even start to tell us something about the dark matter that exists in our galaxy. It tells us about the stars themselves. It tells us about how far away they are. It gives us better information about their ages, which is really important when you're doing things like studying where stars formed and why. It tells us more about the planetary systems that we expect to see. And again, knowing the stars better means that we know the planets better because a lot of our planetary information is based on how well we know the stars. So if you know the star poorly, you know the planet poorly, and Guy is going to help us know the stars better, which is great. Um, and then again, understanding the, the solar system in general and mapping out the contents of the solar system, which again is a big task because you know Guy will still find out things that we haven't seen yet. And then, of course, there's the things that Guy will find that we have no idea to, to expect. And again, going back to Kepler and no Boyajian star, no one predicted that that would come along. Um, so the unknown unknowns are also the very exciting part too. Fab. That was sort of everything on my list, really. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, I think the only thing I'd like to add is that we're all really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the discussions, I've only been in work. Uh, I, was, I wasn't in work yesterday. Um, when the data was released, um, but I was tracking it on Twitter. Uh, I've come into the office for an hour before speaking to you this morning, and the whole place is a buzz, and people are frantically trying to do science and submit papers, and just generally be excited and enthused by what's happening. So there's a real, genuine passion and excitement in the air. I mean, I haven't seen this happen in a long time, um, and I think it's a really exciting time to be doing astronomy. It's staggering to think that one instrument can do so much. And the romantic in me loves that the fundamental questions of physics are literally written in the stars. I imagine we'll be hearing so much from Gaia in the coming years. In the meantime, though, thank you to all my guests this week. The programme was produced by myself, Greer Jackson, and the theme tune you heard was composed by Anthony Baggett. All other music was by Duke Deck. You can make your own at dukedeck.com. If you like Naked Astronomy, I would love it if you could give us a quick review on iTunes or whatever platform you're operating on. I love hearing from you guys, so do get in touch. Next month, you and I are going in search of extraterrestrials. Is there, Is there anybody, anybody out there? Until then, goodbye. <laughs>